0: welcome to another episode of the maniverse podcast with your host tom traplin this is session number 21 This episode of the podcast features Jennifer Ward. She's the owner of Crazy Squirrel Game Store in Fresno, California. Jennifer isn't just the owner of a game store with a cool name. She's got her sights set on world domination. This episode is chock full of tips for building a business plan for your game store that pays off. Jen shows us how doing the research and planning before she got started helped Crazy Squirrel Game Store be profitable basically from day one. Jen has a lot more to share, too, so let's just get started.
1: Well, uh, my name's Jennifer Ward. I own Crazy Squirrel Game Store in Fresno, California. I opened it with my husband just almost five years ago. Our anniversary is in October. Uh, It it was not a thing we ever saw ourselves doing. Uh, Back in 2009, I'd been debating leaving my job. I was an assistant managing editor at our local newspaper running their website. And for a couple of years, I was like, well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go get my master's and then try to teach at my alma mater. Uh, after two day, two years of dithering, I finally quit my job, and we're like, great, this is what we're going to do. A week to the day later, my husband got laid off from his engineering job.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah. We plans, we so. panicked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was, there was three weeks of, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And uh, I needed something to do just to fill my time, because I obviously wasn't going to go back to school then. Our friends had always joked around about us owning a game store, because we ran a couple of weekly game nights at the house. Um, so I sat down and said, "I'll write out a business plan. If nothing else, it'll keep me occupied for several months while I do that."
0: That's interesting. Um, that's uh, not usually the path people will take when they uh, <laughs> when they're faced with, you know, like loved ones being laid off, and they're like, "Oh, let's uh, open a business." So yeah, that, that's an interesting. Well, take.
1: it was. We had my alma mater is back in Missouri because that's where I'm from, and when Scott got laid off. Um, All of his family is from this area. And so we had one of those conversations about, well, what are we really willing to do? And I could tell that he really wanted to stay by his family. And I've moved around my whole life, so I was a little less um, forced to stay in one place. So at that point, it was like, well, if we're going to stay in Fresno, I have to have a job. And there's only one of my job in any city because there's only one newspaper in any given city what were we going to do? And I knew it had to be something really challenging. And I figured, well, you know, losing all of our money on a game store seems like a great way to go.
0: Sounds good. Yeah. So how did it go from there?
1: Uh, So I sat down, I'd written out business plan, well, project plans and things, um, but not a full business plan. So I sat down and read everything I could find. Um, I went and talked to a ton of game store owners. um, Some of them in my area, but, our local game store at that time had been family run for 20 years, but the father had passed away. The mom ran it for a while and then she passed away. And then, um, one of the sons took over, but he didn't, his heart wasn't in the business. So I talked to, like I talked to Gary Ray at black diamond. He was kind and gave me probably an hour, hour and a half of his time. Um, I talked to some other store owners in the Bay area. I went down to Sacramento. Um, and then I, I wrote and called people. So, Lloyd Brown was writing a column on RPG Net at that time. I wrote him and said, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this. I have some numbers. If you have time, like, what would it cost to have you take a look at some of this stuff?" And he was very, very kind and spent a couple hours looking at things um, and talked to me on the phone for, for probably an hour and a half or so and volunteered that time, which I thought was amazing. Very nice. Uh, so every every few days, I'd go to my husband with this business plan. Where I was like, we're going to lose so much money, it's going to be amazing. Because um, I kept wanting him to say no. I kept wanting, he's the one that is much better with money. Um, so I just wanted him to be like, no, that's silly, why would we ever do that? But he never said that, so I was like, okay, we're going to do this thing.
0: So he was on board.
1: Yeah. We, uh, is he also We a gamer? went to our local... Yeah, he is a gamer, but by all means, he introduced me to Eurogames when we started to date probably 11 or 12 years ago. Okay. I I grew up on Boggle and Scrabble and those things, and I was a role player since the early 80s. Um, but I had fallen out of it when I went to school. Uh, we went to our local school. They had never heard of board games before. They had no idea what we were talking about. Uh, we sat through their how-to-do-a-business-plan class, um, but by that time we'd already done all the things they were talking about. So it was, it was kind of a nice confirmation of you're on the right track. You have done. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we just figured things out as we went, there wasn't a great, here's the five step guide to open your business. Um, so it was just a ton of research and talking to people. We looked for a location for, I think we spent three months actively looking for a location. It was odd, in the middle of this, I was actually in France for about a month of it because I used to do a program where I helped uh, take American journalism students overseas and teach them how to work in a place where they didn't speak the language. So Scott had come over with me for a week and then he went back home and he'd go looking at buildings and then load up a bunch of photos overnight so that when I woke up the next day in France, I could take a look at them and say, yeah, that looks good or no, that doesn't. Um, One of the most important things we did when we opened... Is that as soon as we had confirmed to ourselves that yes, we're going to do it, yes, we have the financing for it, uh, we went online to like our local gamers bulletin board, we started a Facebook page for the store, and we let people get a really early look at what we were doing and express their opinions. So, like, while we were looking for a location, if we saw one that we thought was good and within our range, we'd post it up and say, "Hey, we're looking at this area of town. What does everybody think?" And we'd get a bunch of feedback. Um, I discovered one of the places we were looking at apparently had a lot of prostitution in that area. I had no idea.
0: Good to know ahead of time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So by the time we we opened, by the time we could say stuff like, "Hey, we're gonna," paint the shell like we've got a building and now we need to paint it we're going to be there all day you know we had a dozen people show up it, it was like 110 in fresno that day in a building with no air conditioning and they stayed all day to help us paint it was but then by the time we opened we already had a community and we had people that were invested in it
0: that's interesting is that just a that seems kind of unique that you didn't have a business to begin with you didn't have a store up but you still were able to get people involved in the, like in the project, right? And what you were building, even
1: before it existed. Well, it was, um, it's something that I'd kind of done with newspapers because, you know, when forums and things started, I had been a forum editor for a little while. So I knew that community was going to be an important thing, especially opening a business where, you know, everything we sell in our game room, you can find online. So I knew that community was going to be that thing. And we got really fortunate that the community here was willing to come out and help support us. And I mean, it's really been a phenomenal feedback from them.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a, a big leg leg up at the beginning. That you've already got this feedback, right? These people are telling you exactly what they wanna they want to see, and they're also helping you build this thing, this business. It's a exactly. It's a really nice situation because you're getting your customers already lined up to buy from you from day one too.
1: Yeah, it it really is. And we we joke around, we call them our founding squirrels because they they literally put in blood, sweat and tears. So um and most of them are still here. You know, they're still a part of the store. One or two of them have moved from the area. But it's been really good. You know, we've for 5 years now. They they've been there and they've come in and they've supported the store and they've more importantly they've supported the gaming community. Um so I th- I think that was probably the best thing we did by really reaching out early and letting people feel like it's their store. Because we hear people talk about, oh, this is my store, not like it's the squirrel. It's their store. It's their community.
0: Yeah, they own it, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I like that. So when you wrote the business plan, did that? Did it change when you were actually going through the opening process? Did it? Uh, did it come into play a lot? Was
1: it really helpful? Yeah, I mean – a business plan to me is a living document. The the tough thing with running writing a business plan for a game store is th- there's no hard data out there. If you're gonna open a mm-hmm. coffee shop, you can go somewhere and find out well coffee shops make an average of this in sales, that's this per customer. You need to have this many dishes, sure. or you know, there's not there's not that for game stores. There's not data about, well, you should estimate that you can make a dollar sale per every Person, Every, you know, of age person in your metropolitan area or within a 10 minute driving mile. Um, we have the additional bonus that Fresno, while well, a town that I am proud of and live in, um, we're in the middle of agricultural company in California. We have a large, uneducated, um, unemployed population. So we deal with poverty issues. So that had to affect how much did I think we could sell. So how did that
0: factor into your plan? Like how do how do you deal with that?
1: I just I was pessimistic throughout the entire plan. Hmm. Um. So it it was very much a. I ended up deciding to use a basis of uh, estimated sales once we got up and running of a dollar of a dollar per adult within a ten minute drive time of where we're at. Um. And then I assumed. I'd have to go back and look at the original one. I think I assumed like a twenty percent of the people within our area just wouldn't even consider gaming at all. Um, We are close to a university, so that helps offset some of the negative aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, As it turned out, my business plan was uh, completely and totally wrong in terms of numbers, um, but in a good way. We ended up being far more successful than I had predicted.
0: Well, Um, that's definitely the the nice part about being. Pessimistic about your numbers, right? When you, you, yeah you more that, likely that's you're gonna exactly, go over.
1: That's good. Yeah, that was exact I I'd rather be pessimistic and successful than optimistic and lose my shirt. Exactly. So um so it's interesting because now people will say, Hey, I want to take a look at your business plan. I'm like, Well, like you can. The numbers are are all wrong. They're based off of the best math I could think of.
0: That's the problem. But, right? but they
1: just turned out to be wrong for us. Yeah. Yeah,
0: predicting the future is impossible. So Forecasts for future sales is already hard enough with an established business, right? Like you were saying. You can you can kinda yeah. do that with a coffee shop, but even then. And then with the game stores, it's just out in the open. So you just kinda hope for the best or kinda Yeah. Be conservative it, and see it, how it goes.
1: It's it's a total guess. Cool. It the the side benefit of having a business plan, and this kind of amazed me. Was when we were looking for, you know, a place to lease, or when we were going to set up accounts with places. Um, just the mere fact that we had a business plan amazed people. Really? That is not a thing. Like you should write a business plan if for no other reason that it makes you research what you want to get into. Yeah, we had a couple of building owners who just well, one they'd never heard of a game store. They thought we were going to be video games. So we had to tell um, yeah. talk to them about board games. A couple of guys said to our faces, well, that's just never going to work. Um, it's but kind of funny how people
0: that, will automatically doubt it when they've never heard of it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, that's something that I think, uh, well, maybe not, it's not unique to game stores. There are definitely other businesses that people have kind of scoffed at. But, uh, like, I guess, I assume that uh, at the beginning people were like, Beanie Babies. There's no way you could create a business around Beanie Babies. That's impossible that people went and did it. And it's kind of funny exactly. that people are still kind of like, "Oh, games? Who plays games? Who could, how could you possibly yeah. build a business around board games or card games or that kind of stuff?"
1: We still get but, that when we get the video game calls, when, you know, because you'll always get a, "Hey, can I?" We do buy used PS3s, and we'll tell them, "No, we're a board game store." And we've had people before they hang up be like, "I don't see how you can stay in business," and then slam <laughs> the phone down. I'm like, "Okay." So it's a little ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So the business plan was actually a a good piece, a good thing to have in your back pocket when you were talking to new suppliers or people or like uh, the landlords, even they, uh, they were impressed.
1: Yeah. If nothing else, it just showed those people that, you know, we're serious about this. We're not just two people with some money we'd like to throw away. Like we, we want to run a legitimate business. We want this to make money. This is going to be a professionally run establishment. Um, and I just don't think a lot of, I, I don't think a lot of small businesses go through that process. No, I think you're right.
0: I think the majority, like it, it, a business plan, is a lot of work. Right? It took. It can take months to write up a good one, and even that, it's not. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect. So, a lot of people will look at it and be like, "Oh, well, I can just kind of, you know, wing it. Just I, I kind of know what I want. I have an idea. So let's just do it." And it's just so much easier to skip that step and just dive in, but. The research can sometimes really, uh, well, really turn you around if it, if you find out that it's not going to work, but can also give you a big leg up like, like it exactly. did for you, right? That's, yeah. that's interesting because it's good to know that business plans aren't kind of a waste of time.
1: I, we spent I spent probably four months working six hours a day on it. Like That was my job for four months was figuring out. It started off – doing the business plan and then it went to okay so if we're going to do this you know what furniture do we buy we'd never put neither my husband nor I I think our total time working in retail I worked retail for a week when I was in high school and that was it Um, so there was a lot of just doing a bunch of stuff we didn't know how to do I had previously been a programmer and programming is all about doing stuff you don't know how to do Mm -hmm. so I, I think that helped us out a lot Okay. We're still doing things we don't know how to do. It's
0: that's, that's a learning process. Yeah. Every day is going to be uh, something new, right? But that's what keeps it interesting.
1: Exa- yeah, that's exactly it. That's why I love what I do.
0: Okay. So why Crazy Squirrel? Like, why? <laughs> how did you come up with that name?
1: So uh, we had a bunch of names. I think our original business plan, we wrote it under the name Critical Hit Game Store, Uh, We had that. We had, like, a version of Paradise. We had, you know, we had all of these gamer names and all of our friends would tell us. Well, yeah, like, I get gaming store out of that, but I already know what that means. But there's nothing really great about it.
2: Okay.
1: So we were kind of still searching around for a name. At my 40th birthday party, uh, we had a bunch of friends over, and we were just hanging out. And, and talking about, I don't know, random stuff. As it turns out, there's always squirrels around me when something really good happens. Um, and so we were joking about the squirrel thing. And then Crazy Squirrel came up. And everybody thought it was a great idea. And we were all sober when we thought that. So we're like, that is the name. That must be it. Um, and it, it turned out to be fantastic for us. Everybody remembers it. I'm, I'm either that crazy lady or that squirrel lady. Neither of which I'm totally happy about um it it allowed us to get a mascot like so we can use a squirrel we have something that we can personify in our mm-hmm. signage which works out really well and squirrels you know squirrels make people happy for the most part they it's hard to be really upset like it just invokes a feeling of good
0: yeah there's very so few it, people who are like dang squirrels but not many of those, but uh, well, yeah. I can definitely see how something just that kind of offbeat, like you, you really remember it. It's hard to forget, which exactly. is half the battle, right?
1: It, and it's just it's worked out super good, except now I have um, an enormous collection of squirrel related items. People bring us in squirrel stuff all the time. We finally put up some shelving for all of it. It got to be kind of ridiculous. <laughs> this is a pretty good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah, when your customers are bringing you gifts, there, there are worse things that can happen. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay, so describe your store to me. Like, uh, when you opened it, is it the same thing as what, uh, have you changed it since it opened?
1: It's it's essentially the same other than the fact that we doubled our footprint. So when we opened up, we opened up in about 2,000 square feet, uh, divided into 1,000 square foot halves. So we had half of it was retail and half of it was a game room uh, slash library And with a little tiny storage room. Um, There's a wall between the two sides with a doorway that goes in between the two sides. Part of that is to help, you know, keep the division between what's gaming and what's retail. Part of that is to help with noise levels so we don't get the retail sides not really loud with the gaming. After the first two years, we started planning on expanding. Um, It happened far sooner than we had thought it would. And then we um, essentially just went to 2,000 square feet for retail, 2,000 square feet for gaming, and a much larger storage room.
0: Did and you,
1: then the old one, yeah?
0: So did you move? Or did you just consume the place that was, like, next door?
1: Yeah, we're in a shopping center. So we're in, like, a street shopping center. Mm-hmm. Um, and the building we're in has eight units in it, and they one of them was taken when we moved in and then we took over two of them. Then the martial arts studio had, who had been next to us moved away. So now we're in, we're in, there's two buildings in our shopping center. We're in one of them and we're the only place in that one, but we're half of that. Um, so when we renegotiated our lease uh, and took into account expansion, we ended up kind of moving things around where we're at, but we're in the same building. We just, changed the spaces that we were in, Okay. which made for an excitement trying to stay open during construction.
0: Mm. So you were open during renovations?
1: We were. Yeah, it was, uh, it made one of our Friday night magics a serious challenge um, because we wanted to make sure everything was safe. We, we really focus on family friendly and kind of noob-friendly atmosphere. We want people to feel like they can come in if they don't know anything, and we'll help them fit in. Um, So that can be tough when you're like, hey, we're family-friendly, and if it's your first time here and we've got plastic hanging from the ceiling and, you know, saws going off in the background, that doesn't sound like the safest of places.
0: Yeah. So how did that turn out?
1: Um, It turned out to be pretty interesting. So we did one Friday Night Magic where in one of the units... Where all of the construction was done, but it hadn't been painted or it didn't have carpet in it yet, so it was kind of a challenge. But we made a party out of it. Um, we explained, pe- we explained like throughout the week to people what was happening, um, and it turned out to be a good time. Everybody seemed to, to enjoy it, and they all knew that we were trying to get everything done. It was before the pre-release in 2014, so it was last January. We got it done like the night before the pre-release in early February. Hmm yeah it was a bit of a scramble,
0: okay. Here's a question. Would you do it again? huh like would if I you had if you had the option to shut down like if that was the thing that you were considering, okay, we need to renovate again. would you want to try and keep stay open?
1: yeah you know i I think I would if if for no other reason than like being closed day is expensive, like mm-hmm. you're not making sales that day, if somebody comes to your store for the first time and you're closed there's a solid chance we're not going to come back. So we wanted to stay open. And it's another one of those things where we built this community that thinks of it as their store. And so for a lot of them seeing the construction and like seeing it change day by day, I think they really felt like it was, they were doing it, you know, like they were a part of it. And in fact, some of them were when we, when all the carpet got laid down on retail We had asked some friends, hey, do you guys mind staying late after we close? We basically have to move everything back into position for retail. Um, So all of the shelves, reshelve all of the games, Hmm. make sure cash wrap is good. And so we had a couple people that were like, yeah, we'll stay. And then we ended up having so many people stay who wanted to help that um, I had some of my close friends just start to play interference for me so they could tell people, you know, don't bother. She's doing this now. If you want to help, go do this other thing. Hmm. Um, it it really is, I mean it's really it, it's heartwarming to see how much people love this community. Uh, that's probably the best thing that we have done.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds great. Actually, like, I, I, that's the part that intrigues me the most. I think is uh, it's like, I wonder how did you build this? Like, what, what's the secret sauce that makes your communities you know so involved? Because if like you could bottle that, that's something that would be immensely yeah. popular. Like every game store would want this kind of a community that would be like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll help you move. I'll help you. i you know, I'll be involved in the store. Whatever you want." <laughs> like it's like, how could you replicate this?
1: It's that's not to say that everybody loves us. Like we know well, that there are people out there that don't like us.
0: Hey, that's fair. That's that's also kind of what happens too. Is that when people really start to like you, you also get a lot of haters sometimes you become polarized yeah
1: yeah it really is we opened up relatively small but then we started you know we were doing well so people started to you know accuse us of being the big dog in the area Hmm. and i'm i'm like but but i'm running the store because we want to run a business and i think a lot i think some places open because they want to be a lifestyle store they know how much they need to sell to pay their rent and they don't want to do more than that and that's perfectly fine if that's how you choose to run your business i i want to take over the world so and i'm very oh yeah it's a squirrel domination now (laughs) And, and i love data so like we're constantly looking at that but and i think we got really lucky too in in the members of the community that we met first i thought i knew a lot of gamers in fresno um, then we opened the store and I realized I didn't know anybody like we've met so many more people. I've made such good friendships from some of the people we've met. Um, it's been phenomenal, but we really do. I, I think a lot of it is just like we focus on that family friendly and on that newcomer oriented. Um, and that helps us out a lot just because we we appear to be friendly. I, my husband and I ran a shop on our own for the first year. And having a woman in the shop all the time does a lot of good. So I don't know if I could bottle it up. I'd keep it because I, I know it is one of the things that makes us successful.
0: Okay, it's a fair answer. Yeah, especially if you plan on dominating the world. You know, don't want everyone else. Yeah. Okay, when uh, you originally built the store, you said you incorporated the retail side and the the play space, the game game room. As right. part of your plan, that was kind of what you wanted originally, right? Was yeah, that because we, research or the the research you were doing that showed that was the best way to do it instead of just two thousand space or square feet of, re- of retail? Excuse me. Um,
1: from all the people I talked to or messaged with at that time, it was about fifty fifty. Some game store owners loved having game rooms, and some of them were like, "No, this is horrible. That is square footage that you're not making money off of." Um, We knew that in our area, running a play space was going to be something that would help us. And that helps build your community as well. So we built that in specifically knowing we were going to give up probably 50% of our space. We originally were going to open up only in a 1,000 square feet. After talking to Gary and some others that were like, well, I wouldn't open up with anything less than 1,500 to 2,000 square feet, we made that change. We also originally weren't going to carry games Workshop. And we weren't going to do uh, magic singles at all. And basically everybody told us we were idiots. Uh-huh. If, yeah, they were like, you sell, you sell these things and they make money. Um, one of those things is still true for us.
0: Can I guess which one?
1: It, make a guess.
0: I'm, I'm guessing it's magic and not Games Workshop. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is true. Games work, or magic still, still makes money for us. Uh, Games Workshop, we're reevaluating our position with them right now.
0: That's, I've heard that before, but why, like, what's the, uh, what's the issue without going too deep on it? But, uh,
1: I mean, it's the issue that I, I think it's true for a lot of places. So we've had a couple new game stores open up in our broad reach area. So in an area within say an hour of us, mm-hmm. um, the central Valley is a really large area. Um, it's considered between Bakersfield and Sacramento which is about a three-hour radius. We figure an hour, hour and a half is about what people will do drive time for a destination store. Um, those stores that have opened, some of them discount, just flat discount on everything. Okay. Uh, we have a hobby. Hobbytown is within like half a mile of us now, and they do a huge flat discount on minis. And so, you know, customers are going to go where they can get their best price point. Many of them are. Some of them are loyal to a place. But you can't expect all of it. So, yeah, we just, sales have dipped. We still see it played actively, but we don't see as many sales in it. They keep raising raising their product prices. And they've done things like, now things are exclusive on their online site, so you can't even order them from your distributor rep. So it just creates more work. So more work and less sales. Not the best equation ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so Games Workshop, not playing out so much. What other products... Did you initially start up uh, with so you had uh, so we
1: set aside so we wanted to be essentially an all around game store, so we opened with minis uh, board games Scott and I are board game lovers uh, role playing games we have a very deep stock of independent role playing games as well as the big two or three, and then card games. We opened up selling sealed magic stuff uh, but no singles um And for the most part, we still do that. We did not spend all of our inventory money at the beginning. We spent like 75% of it to stock the store on opening day. And then we took a look at what is selling. And that's where we put the rest of the money we'd set aside for inventory.
0: I like that plan. So that
1: we can make those. Yeah. It, I forget who told us to do that, but that was super smart.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if that was (laughs) Gary.
1: He told us a lot of things. Yeah.
0: I'm fairly certain I've read something that he wrote that, uh, kind of laid that out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good way to go. Don't, uh, yeah,
1: it made a lot of sense.
0: Don't lose your whole bankroll right off the bat and then find out that half of it's not going to sell. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I know when Gary said, when he opened, he basically bought the things he liked and, and we were afraid of doing that as well. Just buying the stuff that we enjoyed and not paying attention to the stuff that people wanted to buy.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: uh, so, and it's, it's pretty much that same way. We we carry far too many role playing games than we probably should according to the money. But they don't take up a lot of space, they don't cost a ton of money and it's one of our first loves. So we recognize that risk. Yeah,
0: and that's a fair point. It's your business too. And as much as business is about making money, it's also like your if that's all you were doing, you probably wouldn't be running a game store. You'd be running something else, which would be far more profitable. So, like it's a it's a passion project too, right? So, exactly. I understand that. Like, yeah, you know, if you, everybody's got some genre, right? So, maybe some people are card gamers, some people are RPG guys or or gals, yeah, some people are board gamers. So that's their thing that they want to hang on to, and even if it's not the most profitable section, you still can't
1: really exactly. fault yourself for that. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was an interesting mix, um, and i I try to stay on top of like my monthly reports so I can see which departments are doing what, and then compare that to well, how much are we spending in that department, is not bringing in stuff? So we when we opened, we sold magic packs at MSRP, so we sold them at four dollars a pack, and did not sell a lot because as it turns out, every store in town here was doing magic packs at three for ten dollars. And we resisted it because we'd listened to Dave Wallace's lecture about, you know, don't become a discount store until finally we were like, okay, if we're going to sell packs, we just obviously aren't going to be able to do this. So now we do three for $10 kind of based off of what our local market was happening.
0: Yeah. Just, is that actually, I would argue that technically you're not really being a discount store in that case because you're really just matching what everyone else is doing. Like if you were actually discounting, you'd be yes. like three for $9. Gotcha that would be well cutting into we the markets, right?
1: We just had a store open in the area about maybe a year ago mm-hmm. and he came in at 3 for 9 dollars because he undercuts a lot of the local stores on stuff. I just didn't want it to be, you know, that that first step in the path to becoming a discount store. Yeah, slippery um, slope. And it wasn't. Yeah, we 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 still do 3 for 10 and we sell our magic boxes under MSRP um but we probably are the most expensive town in our store or our store in our town. Um, but we still do. We still run the biggest events in town um, simply because I think we run some of the best events in town. We make sure we have a good judge staff. We make sure the store is clean. We, we make sure we, so we have kind of an in-store plan where we reward good sportsmanship. So this was a pre-release weekend I was working on the game side, like prepping our list for the next tournament coming up. And I heard somebody say, oh, you're a new player. I would have done this other thing, um, but I know that you don't really know how to react to that yet. So, you know, next time if you see this come up again, you should do it this way. So I went over and we have some coupons in the store. They're just little token chips. Um, And I made sure that I went to that guy that was nice to a new player and told him I heard it and I really appreciated it. And here's some free drinks on me. Nice. Because we want to be able to reward that, yeah. I like that. Yeah, and he was he was super happy, and he passed that on to his friends, and that gets people to come back to us.
0: How often and do you think that uh, you give out these coupons? Like, how often does this come up?
1: During pre-release weekends, you know, I'll give out half a dozen or so in a weekend. It's not a huge thing. Um, or if we've got extra packs, sometimes we'll toss an extra pack that way. Because I would rather reward them for being good sports than have to take them aside for being a poor sport, which we've had to do. Um, but then, when we do take somebody aside for being a poor sport, everybody notices that as well, and that also keeps people kind of on the straight and narrow.
0: Yeah. People respond to incentives, and exactly. its incentives as well too, right? So punishment counts. Yeah, that, that's an. Um, I like that strategy though of rewarding good play or good. Good sportsmanship, like uh, being a good person, basically.
1: Yeah, we do that. Uh, extra Friday night magic promos, if, if we come up with extras in a month, uh, we have a new player box. So very often on a Friday night, we'll ask who the new players are, the first time they've come to the Squirrel to play in an organized event, and we'll make sure that they get an extra promo that night. It, it doesn't cost us anything. They feel rewarded. It, it just seems kind of a no-brainer to me.
0: Adding a little bit of value to make their night a little bit nicer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially as a new player, that's pretty big too, right? When you don't have that yeah. many cards, you're not really in, you know involved in the game yet, and you're like, oh, I get, here's this new foil card for you. But yeah. They're exciting. basically,
1: like, we know they're going to get stomped on. We run, yeah. in our standard tournament, we'll, we'll probably average 50 in our standard tournaments now. Wow. So if you're brand new, you're going to get beat. We... Ask our players to make sure that they're nice when it happens, but, like, we know you're going to have a tough night. We do a pity pack at the end of the night. <laughs> so the way we run FNM is everybody goes home with a, at least one pack, and the winners will go home with five or six packs. And the people in the, the person in the last place will go home with an extra pack as well.
0: So you, um, uh, you flatten it out. It's quite... It's instead of being really top-heavy, like a lot of packs going to first and second and third, it's much more smooth across the board.
1: Yeah, and and we played with that a lot in the first two years. How are we going to do rewards? Because, you know, different organizers and different judges would have different suggestions. Mm-hmm. I, I had never played Tournament Magic. I played Magic a lot back when I was in college, but I was a female gamer, and game stores in the 90s were not necessarily welcoming to female gamers, um so we played around with it and we had a lot of people in town complain about our price support, like I'm never gonna play there because of the way you give out packs. And so they went to other stores, but I mean we run the biggest Friday night magic in town. It we've got to be doing something right. Um
0: Yeah, well that's and that's what's gonna happen if you if you cater to the noob, like as as you said, the, the noob class of uh players. Or the newer class of players than yeah. the hyper-competitive ones. That's just not going to fit for them. Right. But that's fine. It, right?
1: Yeah, we found out that we had a lot less pot smoking in our bathroom.
0: Oh, well, that's good. When that
1: happened. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's worked out well. Like I said, you know, we'll run 40 or 50 players for standard. Any Friday night, we have probably three tournaments going on right now. And we'll have 65 to 75 players in the store. So... It's super hard to argue with that.
0: Yeah. well, The numbers are proving you're right. Yeah. Just a curious question. How large is Fresno? Like, what's the population? What's the density around your store?
1: Fresno proper is half a million people. You would never know that from how Fresno is presented uh, to the world. The region that we're talking about is closer to a million people. Um, so it is a significant size. It's I think it's the fifth largest city in California right now. Um, but it also tends to be kind of, it, it is like Detroit in that people joke about Fresno all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it is, it's a little tough sell. We're, we're smack in the middle of the state um, between North and South. And we're pretty much in the middle of the state, East to West. So we're trying to bring in bigger tournaments, both card games and board games and things like that. And we sell it as, it's an easy drive from the Bay Area and San Diego. Like you, both of those populations can get to us within a day's drive um, and get home if they really want to, although it's a super long day. Um, and we're right, we're right by Yosemite and Sequoia. So it's kind of a good vacation place.
0: Hmm. I'm just uh, curious about that part, the uh, the population part, because I've, from what I've found talking to a lot of uh game store owners is that the really successful ones, like the ones that get the 50, 60 kinds of uh, people showing up to their FMs, like on a weekly basis, like on a, on a weekday, they yeah. live in a, like a very dense,
1: densely yeah. populated
0: city. And it's, so it's not, uh, not Weird. to play down their efforts, but like that is, I think that's a, a pretty important factor for why you're getting that many people or why a store would get that many people. Yeah. Being in a densely populated city is a pretty important part.
1: Well, and as it turns out now, a lot of the both uh, game stores and card stores in Fresno proper were all kind of right next to each other. Um, That's not initially how it was. And we opened, we opened up about half a mile from a place that is more card games than anything else. But at that time we didn't think we were going to be a card game store.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so he definitely was not happy with us. But, but we honestly did not think we were going to do a lot of magic. And then about a year after we opened, HobbyTown moved from across town to within half a mile of us. And another card store opened from their original location um, to a place that's probably within three-quarters of a mile from us. So now we're all kind of nestled together in this two-mile radius. Um, which is interesting, yeah.
0: How did that affect your business? Like when... Uh... You said that the guy you kind of opened up next to was not happy with you when all the other stores started opening up to actually change things?
1: I was afraid it would. I mean, quite honestly, I was like, great, now we're all together. Um, but but if it did, we didn't notice it. Now, part of that was because we were new, and so we were on a, still a significant climb in mm-hmm. gaining customers and sales. Um, and we just had another place in town open within the past couple months so now we're just trying to see how that works out um so in terms of that it's not bad like we refer people to the other stores all the time the place that's a half a mile from us like if we don't have a card we're like you should go up to collectors they're they're a short walk or a really short drive they might have what you want um we don't do Yu Gi Oh, and there's another store in town that does so we'll tell them well you need to go up to this other place like they can help you out there And at the beginning, we had a lot of people tell us, wow, why are you doing that? You're sending them off to your competition. And I'm like, well, I feel confident enough about the way we run things that if they go to someplace else, 80% of the time, they're going to come back to us. Um, And that tends to be the case.
0: Have your uh, competitors reciprocated?
1: Surprisingly, running a board game store is apparently very political. (laughs) Um, One of the reasons I wanted out of my office job because of office politics, mm-hmm. and it and there's still there's still some of that among businesses in town. But l- let's just say that not not everybody likes everybody else.
0: Yeah, I can see why. It's yeah, it's a part of the problem with owning your own business and opening up a store next to you that like, kind of competes with you. Is that uh, you know you, it's kind of like that's your life, that's your baby. And you kind of, you yeah. might happen to view the other person as a threat. So, yeah, yeah, I can see why they might not be super happy about it yeah. or we, necessarily want to make friends with you.
1: We try to, well, and that guy I get. Like, once we started to sell singles, I, I can see where that guy, like, I would have blown my top, I think. Um, there are some other places in town where we just, we have not ever been able to just find. Like you don't have to work with me, but if you could not work against me, that would be great. So there, for a while, there were a series of events that people would schedule other events on top of, mm-hmm. and it felt intentional. And, and it may have felt intentional to them if we did it. Like we we try a lot to go check out everybody else's calendar, and if they don't have a special event. So like if it's a pre-release or an FNM, we all do that. But if they're running a one K or something, we try not to run a competing event on top of that. Um, and it's, it has been better in the Valley. Um, and there's some store owners that are starting to come together and And I think that'll be good because there are enough gamers in town to support all of us right now. And we each have different personality types and that's what the different types of stores are for.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that, uh, at least I found from my area is that when that does occur, when two stores kind of start to fight or when they start to start uh, scheduling their their tournaments to be kind of close together, all they do is hurt each other. Like they don't, no one wins. They just split the pot and both events are terrible. Nobody gets the number of people that they wanted. It's just, it's bad for everybody. So the one thing that uh, I was always told was that cooperate whenever possible. Like yeah, don't compete uh, if you don't exactly have
1: to. It. You're gonna you're not gonna do as well financially and you're gonna look childish. Mm-hmm. So I mean we just try not to do it. It's like the PPTQ thing is really good now because our regional magic judges will will organize all the stores to make sure that people aren't running PPTQs on top of each other. And in fact, we're starting a series in the Central Valley with two other stores um that happen to be in towns that are close to us. So we're we're scheduling our PPTQs one weekend after another, and then on the, f- like, on a weekend after that, we're going to run a big Valley Championship type thing. Um, cool. So I'm super stoked about that, about getting stores to work together and do that. We we work m- with minis. We've done Valley Championships with other stores, and it's always worked out well for us.
0: Sweet. So uh, other than Magic, what else does your store uh, organize? What do you promote?
1: So, um, well, gosh, what don't we promote? Um. We're doing, we're doing far more board game stuff. So, uh, so there's something scheduled every day in the store. Um, and you can come play any kind of game on any day. But, like, it's Thursdays are board game nights. So you know that you'll find more people who play board games on those nights. And when we were in a smaller space, if we got really full with Magic players on board game night, we'd let them know, hey, you guys get these other three nights. This is our night for board gamers. Um, so that the board gamers know that we respect them as well. So, Mm -hmm. like, the last Thursday of the month, we run a tournament for board gamers where we give away a pass to our local convention as well. Uh, We just brought in the Imperial Assault regionals from Fantasy Flight, and one reason we did that is because we'd we'd also like to try to get X-Wing or Netrunner, but Fantasy Flight is like, well, no, we're looking for population areas. So, sometimes you do things to prove to people we can bring people in from other areas. Um. so Monday we do Pokemon as well. Tuesdays there's miniatures, and I think we run modern on Tuesday nights. Wednesday we have an active D and D group. I think we've running two tables on Wednesday night now. And My Little Pony is on Wednesday night. Thursdays board gaming. Fridays Magic. Saturday rotates events. So we've got a board game meetup uh, one, one Saturday. We've got a role playing meetup once a quarter. Uh, we run all, a lot of our big tournaments on Saturdays and things like that, and then Sunday is. Oh, Saturday is also Adventurers League, and Sunday is Pathfinder Society. So there's there's a lots of everything that goes on.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a full schedule.
1: We are exhausted every week. So, mm-hmm. I, fortunately, I've got a crack staff, and they stay on top of things and they make sure things run smoothly. And there's just no possible way we could do without that staff.
0: How did you uh, well? First off, how many employees do you have?
1: I have four right now, and we're hiring a fifth. Um, Two of them are essentially full-time, and three of them will will be uh, part-time, where part-time is probably no less than 20 hours for us.
0: Okay. And uh, the follow-up question is, how do you find the right employees?
1: Well, fortunately, I was a hiring manager in my last job.
0: so. So
1: I had experience interviewing and hiring. Now, it's a totally different group of people when you're hiring for a professional programmer or designer or something like that, than when you're hiring for a retail associate. Um, But I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our applications come in from customers, but I mean, I, this is, it's a job. So we look at it as a professional job. Everybody who wants a job is required to submit a resume. If you can't take the time to put together a resume and submit it, then you are not committed enough to work in a place. Um, we usually do a single, possibly, and sometimes two interviews. I usually interview three or four people. Um, we call their references, we, we ch- check your police record, that kind of stuff. Um, and we look for customer serviceability first. I can teach you about a game, I probably cannot teach you how to be nice to somebody. Um, so that helps us out a lot that way.
0: Okay, do you have any uh, tips for when you're interviewing? Because for some, for some uh, store owners, that's kind of a difficult process. Having if they've so we, never actually hired an employee before,
1: we just we just completely changed our interview process because we're right in the middle of hiring somebody that um, actually has to be an expert in magic because we're hiring specifically for a magic spot. So we used to do just a basic interview. I'd bring you in. I have a list of ten questions that for me are just to help me remember kind of what I, what I want to ask for, and I am. Kind of one of those behavioral question people so it is a tell me tell me a experience you had where you suggested an improvement to a process at your job like how did you go about that how did you suggest it did it take place what happened tell me about some time when you had to take a critique from somebody um we asked them about like when have you had bad service how did you handle that so it really is like how have you handled these situations um and i i'll ask them questions I think my favorite question to ask them is, like, what do you think we're looking for in this job? Sometimes you'll get, you know, a cheesy answer, but then you sit there and you pause and you be silent and you let them realize, like, you want an actual realistic answer.
0: Yeah, you want to think about it.
1: Yeah. And then what we've added now is almost like a skills test part. So for this position, because we're looking for somebody to help us process buy orders um, and sell orders and things like that, Um, I took a couple of customer complaints we'd received and we sat them down and had them type out what they thought was an appropriate response to that. Like, so if they were online and they got this complaint, how would they respond to it? Interesting. Uh, then we had them, we had a stack of cards for grading. So we had them go through those cards and tell us how the, how they would grade those. And we put a fake in there to see if they could notice that there was a difference in that card um and then we did a role play where we had somebody come in as a new customer and had them ask a bunch of questions about magic to see how the interviewees would respond to that like what product they tried to sell them did they know about the product like how did they just generally answer questions and most importantly how they answered a question they didn't know the answer to mm. um and that worked out really well for us. Like I was super happy with the way these changes went. So for board games, if we ever interview for just a general spot again, it'll probably be a we'll send them a list of three games and tell them when they come in for the interview, they're going to have to try to sell us one of those games so that they have a chance to go and research it and do that.
0: I like that. That's a that's a very thorough process.
1: It's really expensive to hire an employee. Like it takes an enormous amount of your time you've got to go through resumes you've got to talk to people it takes time on the part of the interviewees hey you got to come meet me we're going to talk for half an hour we're going to do this stuff you've got to do all of their paperwork when they get hired you have to do all of that training and that's you know dozens of hours of training sometimes so we, we want to do it right the first time i make mistakes but i haven't made a ton of them in the store so it works out good for us. We'll get them hired on. I'll do that. We've made... I mean, the flip side of that is if you hire poorly, then you end up firing somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other process.
0: Have you ever had to like, actually fire somebody?
1: Uh I had somebody quit like 15 minutes before I fired them. So huh. at the game store, I've not had to... I, actually, I did have to fire somebody. They made a mistake, which is fine. But then they lied about it. And that's... The part that I was like, you can make mistakes. Mistakes mean you're trying new things. That's fine. But you lied about it. And that's where I can't trust you. I've given you a key Mm -hmm. to my store, which is essentially a key to my world. You just can't lie.
0: Yeah. Trust is Um, probably the biggest thing.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's move to a uh, less technical, but uh, more emotional, I guess. So you've had the business for five years. You kind of were sort of forced into it. Not like it wasn't uh, necessarily your choice. It wasn't your plan in life. Right. And things kind of got diverted, but it's turned out pretty well. Right.
1: Yeah, actually. Yeah.
0: So are you happy?
1: Most of the days I absolutely love what I do. I there it's, I'm a huge introvert. Like I like that there are people in the world. I don't always want them in my face. Um, so when we first opened and it was just Scott and me running the front, I was exhausted all the time because of all the people. And that's actually why we hired our first employee. Cause it was like, I have to get my head back on straight. And for me, that means that I need to spend more time away from the public. Mm. So as long as I keep that in mind and I don't get overwhelmed, it's great. I love, I mean, owning a game store for a gamer, it's resource management. That's all it is. It's resource management and worker placement. So when I look at it like that, it's fantastic. Um, I get to play with data, which I love. I really enjoy working with my employees, especially when I know they want to do better and take on more responsibility because you just get to see somebody grow in that spot for five years now. So we've seen preteens turn into teenagers and not be like total jerky teenagers. Like you hear about, you know, we've, there are a couple of customers that had babies born right around the time that we opened. And so we kind of compare our progress with, you know, how fast Isaac and Gideon are growing. Um, and that's, I mean, that's delightful. We, I do a thing that brings joy to people now. That's fantastic.
0: That, that's the answer I was hoping for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then uh, I want to ask you the question that I try to ask everybody I interview. Is that, uh, what does a successful store look like for you? What What do you want out of this business?
1: So we would, I I would really, I mean, I, we're running it as a business. I joke about world domination. Like we're never going to dominate the world. <laughs> for a business, I want I want it to be to a point where like I'm not working front counter. And right now I'm not. I work front counter on a regular basis once a week. And then I cover vacations for employees. So like this week I'm covering four days, I think, because it's the summer. I want a business that can, can grow with the community around it and one that gives back to its community. So we do a thing every year we call Feed Fresno where for two weeks we run tournaments where entries is cans of food or money that we donate to the food bank and we raffle off a bunch of stuff. Over the course of five years, I think we've donated something along the lines of four and a half tons of food and ten thousand dollars to the food bank solid yeah that's fantastic that is the community i love of gamers giving back to our wider community so you know i want a business that is paying for itself that's paying for its employees that's paying me that we make profit from and i, I want to get to the point where i'm not taking that profit all the time and putting it back into the store all the time um and that people say good things about like that to me is good I, It's a business. I want it to make money and I want to be happy while I'm doing it.
0: And have a positive impact on the world.
1: Yeah. As much as it can. And I I really think we do a good job with that.
0: So are you there yet? Like, Where you are now is this?
1: We're super like, because our fifth anniversary is coming up. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, is it where I thought it would be? Is my life kind of where I thought it would be? Um, most weeks I don't have to be at work eight or 10 hours a day. Um, I'm usually here s- six days a week, but sometimes that's only for a couple hours. Um, we pay all of our bills without worrying about it. Like I don't have to say, well, I'm going to pay this person this week and this person next week. Everybody gets paid all of my employees to get a check every week. That just, and it's in like a real American currency. Like you hear of other (laughs) stores that are like
0: peanut butter and jelly sandwiches.
1: You you hear of places where they're like, yeah, they're trading out and magic cards. I'm like, nope. like if you need to pay your rent, we'll give you real American currency. Yeah. Um, and we do have an active community out there. Board gaming in Fresno is really big right now. There's a there's an active club in town. They meet out um, in a downtown business once a week. They meet with us a lot of times. They volunteered like they volunteered at our tabletop day thing. Um, it's really good. And the business pays its bills. I get paid. I don't have to, I worry, but I'm not freaking out. It's not like that first year where it was just a constant, where's the money going to come? Are we going to make the sales? And we started from the first year paying our bills, which just amazed me. Um, so I'm, I'm very pleased with what we've done so far. Uh, and I, I hope we just continue to do better. We're planning a big party in October. So if anybody's here in Fresno, we're the Squirrel Turns 5 and it's going to be awesome.
0: Okay, that's uh the other thing I was going to ask. So the yeah, got your first 5 years behind you, what's uh what's up for your next 5 years?
1: Well, we're we pretty consistently make changes. Like so we're hiring this magic person because we recently started to sell singles online. And by recently, I mean within the last like 2 months we decided to do it. Um, so we're probably going to do more of that. I would really like to get some of the bigger uh, board gaming things here in Fresno. So we're we're working hard on that. I'd like to work with schools, but there's another guy in town who works at the university. And he's kind of got that happening. So we work with him to see if we can help him out anyway. Um, and then there's always the joke that I like to do new things every five or six years. And our downtown uh, business uh, organization is holding a, a business plan competition to open something downtown. And I'm like, no, I can't do that, but I really want to. <laughs> what would you do? Um, there's, uh, like three or four things that we've looked at. Board gaming cafes are trendy right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if I knew anything about the food side of business, I would probably start to jump on that. Or if I knew anybody who knew anything about the food side of business so I could sit down and really pick their brain about it. I'd be interested to find out what that's like. I'm kind of sort of weekly working on a business plan, but but it's so expensive to do that. Or a coffee shop with board gaming would be good as well. We've also debated opening kind of like a squirrel's nest, so a smaller place in our downtown where we can run casual stuff. Our downtown has seen a lot of growth, so we're seeing a lot of young professionals move down there. Um, so it would be interesting to run something there. Or if I had like $4 million yeah. in Fresno, I would totally open one of the movie theaters with restaurants attached to it. I would absolutely positively do that.
0: <laughs> Big goals.
1: Yeah, I don't have $4 million yet. So we'll see how that happens. Maybe so we'll just run a sale. It's yeah.
0: a matter yeah. of time, right?
1: Exactly. And then we currently um, help host a fan convention here in town. So that's something that I've worked on for the past year. There's five of us on the board. Um, and I run the gaming half of it and help out with the rest of it. Yeah, so that that that's the kind thing of I wanted to ask that. you about.
0: Uh, you mentioned the convention before we got started. What, is that, what does that entail for you?
1: So when we opened, it was kind of an idea like, oh, we'd like to start a gaming convention in town because they're fairly popular. Um, But I knew that at that time, there'd be no way we could do it. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the time. So when somebody approached me with, hey, we're going to run essentially kind of a comic con, movie con. We'd like to have gaming at it. Will you run a room for us? I was like, well, I'd actually like to do this. Um, so then I, I joined that board. So for me, the gaming part is you know, we try to find a gaming designer or two that can come down. Um I kind of find lieutenants, so I have somebody who runs the role playing section for me who organizes that, and makes sure people are there. I have somebody that organizes organizes card gaming for it and um and then the Fresno gamers are are now taking over the board gaming part. I kind of did that on my own last year with my other duties, and it it just didn't turn out well as well as it should have. Um, and then we do some mini stuff at the time. So a lot of it for me is finding people who have more time than me that can help organize hmm. the different departments within it. Because um, my first boss that I ever had professionally was like, if you ever do anything, find somebody smarter than you and then get them to do it and then stay out of their way. Um, which is also how I hire people. I hire people smarter than me in the areas I need them to be in and then I just make sure they don't have problems. Good advice. And then my rest of my con duties, I essentially somehow I handle financials which amazes me um and then we all have like duties to find guests and things so for that you know we meet every other week in September because our cons in October we'll meet once a week to do catch-ups and see where we're all at like make sure all the contracts are getting signed um it's just a lot of it's like taking a Friday Night Magic and doing it like a hundred times bigger um which
0: sounds daunting. Can,
1: it is. It is a challenge. I'm also, you know, glad that I work with other people on that th- that are really go getters as well. So one of the guys on the team, he is, he is a great event planner. Like he understands more about the kind of logistics of large event planning. So he is the liaison with the convention center and the people that do pipe and drape and with catering and things like that. And he really likes to do that. Uh, two of the others are really good, or one of the others is really good at marketing. So she writes newsletters and makes sure social media is taken care of and that kind of thing. Uh, her husband, who's also on the board, goes out and does like sales and tries to find vendors and things like that. My big thing when I joined up was I, I deal with a lot of people already in my daily life. And as an introvert, sometimes that's exhausting, That I did not want to do sales. So that's the one thing that I really try to stay out of. And then I ended up doing like program design because I used to lay out newspapers. So, so I do that. So it's an enormous amount of work, but it's fun. And it turned out that our first year was fairly successful with 1400 people. Um, and we're deep in the planning for year two now.
0: Interesting. So does the convention affect your business or is it just kind of like a side project for you?
1: Oh, it definitely affects the business. Um, like in no small way that we actually close the store the weekend the con's going on. Mm. Cuz we figure most of the gamers in town are going to be there. Uh this year we're actually running the Star City Games California States Championships at the convention. So like players that we would have had here for that, we know are going to be at the con. Um and we've got like con banners and stuff in the store. We know that people go there it also affects our relationships with other stores because we really strongly try to get any store in the Valley that wants to be involved, involved. We want it to, again, it's it's a community of gamers. We want them to know what their options are because we are confident enough in ourselves that we know if they know what their options are, we're still going to get a lot of business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the store will sometimes um, do some s- financial support for the cons. So like we helped put a down payment on the convention center that will get reimbursed after the cons over. So it, it is helpful to have a place that has some money mm. um, or until we do have some not donors. We we do have some investors in the convention. Yeah. And so when those checks come in, like we just got a check last night, the store will get reimbursed for part of that. So, so it works out well. And a lot of my crew, so my current magic guy will help run all of the magic at the event, or will run a buy sales table. The guy that we have that likes My Little Pony is working to find out, but like, can we get a big event at the convention there? The woman who helps up front a lot, like she will run the booth that weekend because she is so good at that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a store thing. Okay. I don't know what the crew thinks about that. I should ask them.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> could be a uh, could be interesting. Yeah. So will uh, make a
1: staff meeting topic.
0: How much does it cost to run a convention that brings in 1400 people? Like if not counting like time spent.
1: Yeah. Um I would have to look at the financials from last year. I mean, we ended up breaking even last year, so it's hard to say like oh, it was this amount of money, but we mm-hmm. probably spent close to 35 or 40 grand if I'm remembering correctly because you have Convention center and pipe and drape. Those are your two most expensive things. Um, you have hotel rooms for all your guests. You have travel for all your guests. We had a per diem for most of our guests. A lot of our guests we paid travel costs for. Um, you've got uh, marketing that has to be done beforehand. So not just flyers and brochures, but we did bus ads and we tried to do some marketing with local stores. Um, you've got you know, crew that you've got to pay for in a lot of cases. So, you know, you can burn through cash almost as quickly as opening a game store. Wow.
0: That's a whole other um, conversation, it, I think. That sounds int- that sounds very interesting.
1: Yeah, I've been talking to people that have run cons now, and it really is like those conversations I had back before we opened the store about how do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, where do you go? Give me some tips. I mean, just yesterday I posted somewhere about hey, one of my gaming designers has fallen through because we are, unfortunately, the week after Essen. Um, does anybody have any tips on somebody else I should look into? And so somebody sent me a list of like stuff that I, I hadn't seen before, and it was amazing, and I, I'm super glad that he's going to help out with that. Um, and it's another one of those things where we try to build our community because if you build your community, then you're going to have a better event. Yeah. So. It's been a fascinating, there's no, I don't think there's any way one person could put on a con. Like, there's just no possible way. Even yeah. between the five of us. It's re- we had a weird first year. Um, Kind of the guy that brought us all together, he died in the middle of the year. Oh. And that, yeah, that just was like, wow. That's a bit of a damper. Yeah, and nobody saw it coming. And so it, it, it's kind of surprising this year because we're so much further ahead of where we were last year. Because we haven't had those kinds of things happen. Because um, then we ended up having to, you know. So he had already started uh, the incorporation for ZapCon under his name. He died. We needed to get everything changed to our name. Because we couldn't do anything else until it was under our name. Because we couldn't write checks. We couldn't yeah. get a bank account. Like. So yeah, it's been an adventure.
0: Hmm. I'm excited to see what happens this- this time and next year and see how it grows.
1: I think it's going to be good last year. Oh, the other thing that happened with last year is we had announced our date and we were all scheduled. And then uh, three months later, they announced GPLA on the exact same weekend as us. And we're like, well, there goes a card gaming shucks. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. I guess that's, that's kind of something that's a little bit tricky, but when you're organizing something that could be, you know, uh, almost like a national level, like a, statewide kind of thing where people will come travel for you. Yeah. Sometimes wizards of the coast will just screw you over that way. Their yeah, GP schedule yeah. will just, ah, just the way it worked out.
1: Yeah. Our, our magic, magic gaming that weekend was, um, let's, let's say intimate. It was yeah. very small. <laughs> All right. so um, but, but it worked out well.
0: Okay. Do you have any specific advice that you'd want to impart to somebody who was looking to open up a game store? Not necessarily one right next door to you, but uh, say a yeah, state away or two. You know,
1: I mean well, the the first thing is is just do a ton of research. And if writing a business plan is a thing that gets you there, if you need a goal to make sure you get your research done, then write a write a business plan. But you need to talk to people that run stores. Don't go to the guy who runs the store in your town. Like, that's kind of cheesy. Um, Because you're going to open a competing store with him. Why is he going to tell you how to be successful? But there are plenty of game stores out there. And then listen to your instincts. Um, When we opened, my instinct was to incorporate because I'd read a lot of stuff that said it was a good idea. And then our accountant and our lawyer kind of talked us out of that because they said it'll be expensive. And if you don't make this much money, then it won't do you any good. And then we doubled what we thought we were going to do. And Jess got hit with a ton of taxes because we hadn't incorporated.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And the whole time I was like, I think we should do this. I really think we should do this. And then enough people said, no, don't do it, that I relented. And now I'm like, I just, I should have done it.
0: Yeah, I feel for you. Yeah.
1: So, but that's, I mean, and then do things like we interviewed accountants. I think I talked to two or three accountants. I interviewed a couple of lawyers before we hired them, like, just kind of as a, you're going to be the guy we go to when we have questions. Um, just knowing that you have people that are smart that you can go to, it helps immensely. And we hired, the accountant we hired, we hired because, well, one, he gave us a free consultation, which one of them was unwilling to do. But then when we went in, he like basically straight out said, "Like this seems like a really horrible idea. If you're going to do it, here's how you should do it. So he let us straight up know. Totally honest. Yeah. I don't think this will work. This is the best way to make it work. And five years later, now when we go into do our taxes, he's always like, "Wow, you guys are doing so good! Like that's really amazing." Like, so, but knowing that he is there when we have questions just helps me not sweat the small stuff.
0: So, surround yourself with professionals.
1: Yeah, and, and I talk to everybody. Really, I would. I would just. So like when Lloyd Brown helped us out it's because I just randomly sent him an email and I don't normally do that. Um but we got such good advice from people that it was amazing.
0: Yeah, I think well from what I found is that uh people are more than willing to to share. Share what they know, what they've found out, what they've discovered doing things themselves. They're pretty happy to to help someone else who's going down that path. That's kind of why yeah. this whole show exists. People are they're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll I'll share the story. It's
1: why not?" So I knew the question that I asked everybody when I talked to them is, okay, so you've opened your own business. Um, would you do it again? And almost to a person, they were like, oh, this is the hardest job ever. Like, I don't think I would ever do this again. But then when I talked to Gary, he said, he told me, you're asking the wrong question. What you need to be asking is, would you ever work for somebody else again? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the right question. I, I don't know if I would ever open another store, but I know that I could probably never go work for somebody else again.
0: Yeah, being an entrepreneur is kind of a one-way street.
1: I look at it as if somebody's going to make a stupid decision, I now know exactly whose fault it is. <laughs> it is always mine. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, I love my job. I love the store. I, I love the people that I work with and the people that I get to play with. I get to do things like organize a convention. It, it's a, not a hard life right now. No, I was like and we're to the point now where like I can be away from the store, so we've taken you know a couple of weeks out for vacation and stuff like that. The in store joke is that any anytime we go out of town for some reason, emergency vehicles are always called to the store um so that I always get at least one call while I'm away, like everything's okay, but the fire department's here right now. Don't panic so, yeah so it is the weirdest things will happen to you should you choose to open a store. We've had, we've had great things happen. We've had a kid drop his pants and poop on our floor. <laughs> like, I mean, he was a, he was a toddler, so I kind of get that. But it was just kind of like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, we had a guy for Feed Fresno. He had been saving like 50 bucks a month to donate. He gets laid off from his job the day he's going to come make the donation, and he still makes a $600 donation for it. Wow. like you meet those kinds of people it's kind of phenomenal um and then we had a customer die in our store like had a heart attack while he was in the restroom like there's there's everything you will see everything happen when you open a business it's interesting
0: yeah i think you're the first one to say that someone's
1: died in your store yeah i I posted on one of the retail boards and said, Hey, so this thing just happened, and everybody had had customers die, but not necessarily in their store. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's going to be a good day when you drive into the parking lot and there's like three cop cars and an ambulance and the paramedic engine from the local fire station. You know, that day's going to end out well. well
0: um, can't get much worse from that. It was, point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wasn't there when it happened. My staff handled it phenomenally well. And we were all pretty impressed because it was the youngest kid on staff who dis- discovered the gentleman. Um, and he didn't freak out. He, like, calmly went and told the other employee that were there. They called 911. We had a room full of gamers because it was Pathfinder Society Day, and the guy was there for that. So, like, they just handled it so well. We, we had a mom come up to us that day, and she said, I know this has been a horrible day for you, but you could not really tell something bad was happening. Um, cause we essentially just closed off the retail part of the store. We have like those portable walls you see at conventions. So we could block off the doorway to the game room to just make sure, you know, everything was handled as well as it could. Mm-hmm. And it was a horrible thing to happen. And I was amazed at how well my staff did. And so but, yeah. now like you can... said
0: It sounds like you're, you've had a lot of good people working for you.
1: I'm, I'm super lucky. Yeah.
0: Is that the craziest story that, uh come out of your store so far?
1: Uh so the kid pooping on the floor and the unfortunate death are probably the craziest uh there is there is a story of a gentleman who told me about a character somebody wanted to play in his D&D campaign that is uh one of my favorite stories but I'm not sure if it is totally on air appropriate. It, that was it was the day that I realized I worked a totally different job than a newspaper job though. <laughs> it was like Oh, this life is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a completely different
0: world from your uh your typical office job.
1: Yes. It was it, it was eye-opening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance?
1: I mean, that's a lot of it. There's there's a ton of stuff. I mean, basic tips are, you know, get security, get cameras, we were broken into, but we had camera footage, so that's good. It's it's tough. If, if people want to reach out and ask questions, I'm I'm happy to help answer questions. I'm by no means an expert. I've been doing it for five years, but I don't know everything. So,
0: but you uh, we know more than somebody who's just starting out. So,
1: I know me more than I did five years ago. Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. And then on, on that note, uh, where if somebody wanted to find you, where do they go?
1: Um. So if you, they want to contact me directly, you can email me. Uh, it's a super long email address. It's Jennifer at, and then it's the store's name, Crazy Squirrel Game Store. Uh, so it's Jennifer at Crazy Squirrel Game Store. Crazy Squirrel Game Remember. Store. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and look up squirrel if you don't know how to spell it. There's two R's and an L. Uh, Crazy Squirrel Game Store is our, our address, both on Facebook and the net. So that those are probably the best, best ways to contact me. Uh, I'm pretty religious about my email, except on Sundays, uh, we take Sunday off. Mainly because it's the same. My husband has a day off, and I have that day off, and it's the one day off a week we know that we can have off together. Um, but there's always somebody at the store.
0: Okay. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to thank you about that too. You were very prompt getting back to me. That was a, uh, which is unusual for a lot of the game store owners. It Takes them a while to, to respond. But you were bang on, right on it. So thanks. I, oh, I, no I appreciate problem. that.
1: I try to be. Well, and you fortunately went to my Jennifer address and not the admin address. That thing is a pit of death. It's spam central.
0: Yeah, that that happens. Uh, Do you do Twitter? That was the other other question.
1: You know, we have... A Twitter account, but I don't use it that often. So back in my newspaper days, I did a ton of social media and Twitter is more about instant conversations. Mm-hmm. And since it's much harder to man that all day long, we don't use it that often. We'll sometimes make big announcements and things on it. But for the most part, our Facebook page is probably the page that we send people to for the most active information. Um, and we also try to answer any messages we get on that uh, on weekdays within, within an hour or so. And on weekends, um, It's usually on Monday. It kind of depends on how staffing is that weekend. Um, That's fair. So, yeah, just don't do Twitter a lot. We've been debating Tumblr because a lot of people are moving toward Tumblr. Um, And the way Facebook has changed its business pages and how pages are seen. Yeah, the reach. Yeah, exactly. Not so So good anymore. Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if uh, you do do Tumblr...
1: It'll be crazy squirrelgamestore.tumblr.com.
0: Yeah, of course. Sure. <laughs> Got to be consistent, right? Might as well.
1: Well, there were no, I tried desperately to find a shorter address than that. And Crazy Squirrel was already taken, which surprised me. And Crazy Squirrel Games was taken, which surprised me. Um, so, yeah, it's Crazy Squirrel Game Store.
0: Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out for you. Awesome. And uh, I thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We had a good time.
1: Yeah. Thanks for contacting me. I, we all, the staff listened to Gary last week and, uh, him mentioning us as a store that did good brought such joy to us. It was amazing. We respect him so much.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot for coming to the show. Uh,
1: thanks. We'll, we'll look forward to, I look forward to listening to even more of the podcast. Great. Awesome.
0: Well, have a good day. I'll talk to you later.
1: All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Do you want to run better magic events with higher turnouts and players battling one another to stay on top of the standings week after week? Well, now you can. MTGLeaderboards.com is a system for creating and managing everything you need to run killer magic tournaments. Create seasons, track player performance, and get your players pumped to play in your store every day of the week. Check out MTGLeaderboards.com. Sign up today, and you'll get the Early adopter Special Rate. Supercharge your magic events with MTGLeaderboards.com. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jennifer Ward. Be sure to check out CrazySquirrelGameStore.com and their Facebook page and let Jen know you support the Squirrel Dream. If you're looking for more info on game store entrepreneurship and building a successful LGS, check out ManaverseSaga.com. It's also the home of the Manaverse Podcast, so you can check out some of the awesome past guests of the show. Also, if you want your store to be featured in an episode of the Manaverse Podcast, reach out to me at Tom at I believe that the best way to learn something is to learn from those who've already done what you want to accomplish. So if you have a valuable lesson to share with your fellow game store entrepreneurs, I want to talk to you. And uh, yeah, that's the show. And as always, thank you for listening. I will talk to you next week.